0: It's Thanksgiving week. It's Black Friday. Cyber Monday is coming up. There is so much going on with our sponsors. And that includes our friends at Orca Coolers. Right now, they have deals every day up until Cyber Monday. You're gonna want to go to OrcaCoolers.com, check out what those deals are. If you don't like any one of those deals for whatever reason, you can always get 20% off by using code DADSEASON. So if you want a tumbler, if you want a cooler, you want to get something for somebody that's special in your life, you want something for yourself to be the envy of dads everywhere, go ahead and go to orcacoors.com use code dad season tell them the dad sent you If you are a bourbon group or if you are a store or distillery and you want awesome laser etched glassware at wholesale prices, go see our friends at distilleryproducts.com. They don't just have glassware. They have awesome swag, too, and they've just partnered with Mir, so they have some cool other stuff. You want to check them out at distilleryproducts.com. If you want, I'll be happy to introduce you to my friends Carson, Janie, Vicky, all the good folks over at distilleryproducts.com. We use them. You should use them, too. What a week of sports. There's so much going on. It is rivalry week for college football. If you bet $50 on a college football spread, you'll get $30 to use on another college football game at action247.com, Tennessee's only sports book by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. The matches this weekend, Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau. There's a lot of bad blood there. A lot. I can't wait to watch this. But if you bet $25 on the winner, they will give you a $15 free bet just for funsies. Black Friday deposit boost. I mean, come on. You know they always do deposit boosts on Fridays. So, of course, they're going to do a Black Friday one. There's an NBA parlay partay bet $25 on a $200 parlay and get a $15 NBA free bet. And of course, the Titans Patriots are coming up this Sunday. And if you wager $50, they'll give you another $30 for your Sunday bets. You can also use code DADS100 and they will match up to $400 of your first deposit. You can parlay that with their Black Friday deposit boost and get a hell of a boost on this Black Friday at our friends at Action247.com. If you want action, get in on the action at Action247 you hey. hello hello everyone my name is John Edwards but I am San Zeke Baker he's off eating turkey somewhere but together we make the dad drink a bourbon wherever you are whatever time it is thank you for making us a part of your day I am joined by a very special guest he is helping me ring in Thanksgiving because I don't know what Zeke's doing who the hell knows what Zeke is doing he's always doing something else besides helping me I still love him anyway but thank you very much Josh Cameron from Rowan Co Irish whiskey. And uh, Josh, my name is John Edwards, so I could give you lots of cheesy dad jokes about your name (laughs) and how you're probably related to James, but I'm not going to do that. And I just want to say hello and welcome to Dad's Trigger Bourbon. John, thank you for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. And you're like, thank you for not making shitty jokes.
1: No, I'm a fan of bad jokes. I'm actually known for them, so...
0: I do have to say I am super impressed. So we do a lot of these podcasts. And ever since March of 2020, a lot of these have been virtual. And I have yet to have somebody like yourself show up with a professional grade microphone plugged into his computer sounding good.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, as you know, it took a while to get it plugged in. So thank you.
0: Oh, no, we're very, very happy it worked. It makes the listening experience. I want to let you know that my partner in this, if he was on here, he would just be talking through his MacBook. You can't do that. I got him a USB microphone.
1: For what? For for a gift?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, cause wow. we're, we do this together. So I went out and got him a USB microphone and I said, Hey, plug this in. And he never got it to work right. So he still just uses his MacBook, and everybody says, why do you sound good? And Zeke sounds bad.
1: Wow. I don't know what to say there. I mean, I've been looking forward to using this mic all day. So I don't know what, I don't know what Zeke is doing. Zeke, if you can hear this, plug your mic in.
0: I think you potentially could fill in as the new co-host of dad's drinking <laughs> bourbon. Like having a microphone is 90. It's like whiskey, right? That 90% of it's marketing. 90% 90 uh, of this. If you have the
1: microphone, you might as well have a podcast, right? All my friends, when they see my microphones, they're like, oh, Josh, we got to have a podcast, man. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just talk together. That's great.
0: It is a labor of love and it's a lot more work. Than you think, you know, yeah. everybody's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go start a podcast. And then mm-hmm. um, over the years, I mean, we've been around since 2016. Oh, I wow. promise I'll stop talking about myself here. You know, other podcasts reach out and say, how, how do you guys still do it? And I'm like, it's a grind, but if you love doing it, it's easy.
1: And you guys started before that big podcast wave.
0: So oh I yeah. have
1: to have a lot of respect for that. You know, I was a DJ when I was a little kid then I grew up and everyone was a DJ. Everyone had a laptop. So I understand what you're talking about.
0: Now what kind of DJ cuz this is this is big. Is this like scratching Were you? Uh
1: well, I I had turntables. I never was a great turntablist. I always I was a, I was a CD DJ. So I had, you know, two Newmark players and I'd carry them around to graduation parties, birthday parties, weddings when I could. Weddings was the big money.
0: Weddings was huge money. I had a friend, he actually is a trainer on is he on the Vikings again? He would He's, you know he was with the patriots for a while he's with the wow. vikings and um he was one of the best djs i've ever seen like just kid killed it did turntables wow. had the records and then as time went on it's like you see that technology change like you could do the same thing with cds that people were doing mm-hmm. with records yep. because technology advanced and then it was everything's an mp3 but you could do yep. everything with turntables with just like this app control it yeah, yeah.
1: exactly no, I mean, I had my car full of speakers, lights, thousands of CDs. My mom's dropping me off. It's uh, it now. is just good memories. I remember one time even my grandfather taking me, and it was it was almost embarrassing because we were running late for a show at a VFW and opening the tripods. They were all locked, but we looked like fools because we were trying to open our own tripods. But it was slow, so it's it's just good memories now.
0: I love that you. I used to be at a band a few of them and just shows at the VFW.
1: (laughs) (laughs) VFW. It's a VFW kind of night. Yep. I mean, it's Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to be home. You know, Maybe people will be at the VFW having a drink.
0: Do you still live where you grew up or do you live?
1: So I I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I came to New York City for college acting and music. And then that led me into the bar world. But I'm going home tomorrow. That'll be nice. I'll be home for a couple of days, but I live in New York City now.
0: So is there like a local bar that Everybody goes to
1: there. There are. I remember there's a bar called the county line. And on my 21st birthday, some nice dude, you know, we walked in a bunch of pretty much looking like idiot kids. And this guy's like, it's your birthday, son. Shots for the bar. It's that kind of place. You know, there's also bars you don't want to go into just like anywhere, but yeah, so the county line, I'll, I'll probably spend time with my family though. I probably won't have time for a bar when I'm home.
0: I haven't been home in a little bit. I need to get up there, but you know, now that I have a kid, it's a lot easier to tell family to come to me. Where are you now? I'm in Nashville, but I actually oh, grew nice. up right outside of Boston, and funny enough, we have Irish whiskey on and and why this makes sense to me for Thanksgiving, obviously Boston is a very Irish Italian Catholic area and the bar that we used to go to is called the CLATA. Okay. Very Irish uh thing. If if do you know the CLATA?
1: That's in Pittsburgh?
0: No, it's actually outside of Boston. So do you, No, do no, you, I
1: do not. I do not know the CLATA.
0: No, do you know what a CLATA is? I don't. So, you know, the, the ring that everybody wears is the two hearts or the, it's the heart in the middle and it's the two hands. And if it's facing out, then you're single. And if it's facing in, then you're taken.
1: I have no clue. No,
0: it's a huge Irish thing. So okay. that is uh, the it's Claddagh. It's C L A D D A G H. But the Claddagh is is a very Irish bar that I would go to over Thanksgiving. So you know, having Irish whiskey on Thanksgiving is something that really makes sense to me.
1: Claddagh on Thanksgiving, I like it. Irish whiskey. I feel like that's something I should know about representing an Irish whiskey. I should be well versed in the Claddagh.
0: You should be well versed in the Claddagh. In... Gaelic in general. Yes. Words that you look at and you're like, man, this does not look like the way they pronounce it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uska Bay. There's one for you. The Water of Life. Oh, yeah. U-I-S-C-E. I I think it's B-E-A-U maybe or B-E-A-T-H-A. It's not what you think when you look at it.
0: No, I spent a lot of time over in Dublin and in Belfast for work and love everything over there, have drank a crap ton of Irish whiskey. Some I remember, some I forget, but I am looking forward to remembering Row Co. So tell me a little bit about yourself before we get in here, because you said you were from Pennsylvania, you moved to New York City, you were in the bar scene before you actually moved over and started working at Row Co. So tell me about where you work, tell me about what you did and- and what got you into that yeah I know you had some acting and some other stuff going on and then decide to kind of go into was bartending something to basically pay the bills while you were trying to do other stuff or
1: yeah at first it was it was kind of like the dream way to pay the bills. I kind of looked at bartending it was almost this thing I was afraid of I was nervous to bartend at first I was so excited and eager I um I mean in terms of the restaurant industry though I started out as a kid working in restaurants with my mom, um, and then you know, as I dj I worked in restaurants. I worked as everything from a server, a porter, everything as a kid, and I never was a kid who said, hey, I wanna grow up and be a bartender. When I came to New York City, that was so different though. In New York City, bartending was magic. You know, these, these men and women providing incredible experiences, and it's this, the bar was always kind of this, um, the bar was almost unattainable for a lot of people. To become a bartender in New York City when I did, at least for me, it was difficult. And it was something that I always wanted to do. So I, um, yeah, I was in was acting school uh, and I'm here playing songs and acting and I was working in sales. So sales actually gave me a lot of experience that probably helped me as a bartender, but I, I was always dreaming of getting behind the bar and I finally did, you know, I was a terrible bartender at first, so I had pretty bad bartending jobs. I, I would get hired at places with my very new resume and then the place would close. You know, that happened a lot. But that was my experience level at the time, and I had to become a better bartender. So the reason I became a better bartender was cuz I wanted to bartend, but then if I want to bartend, I had to be good. So I had to get better. I had to study. I was always reading constantly. I was always even using um, you know, YouTube videos. I was obsessed with the with the science behind how to make these cocktails or even before that just how to make cocktails in general. Years went by and I always wanted to make better drinks for the customers I was serving, and I had a chance to present to my bosses a cocktail menu once because the guy that was actually making our cocktail menu had moved on from the job and they were going to do his best of and i'm i'm a fan of a good bruce springsteen collection sure but i wanted to i wanted to make some new stuff that connected with our audience right here and right now just in our bar because i knew our guests and i started making some drinks and also telling stories with the drinks, I ended up loving that. And I became obsessed with that. And I made our menu for a, a bunch of years there. And then I started consulting a little bit. And I had great opportunities with whiskey companies to go to distilleries to to see, you know, stand next to the barrels and you can feel the you know the vapor rising. You could smell the Rick house. I remember the sunset and the sunrise in Rick houses in Kentucky. And in those moments, I knew this was something that I loved so much. In a lot of ways, it takes me back to Pennsylvania. As a kid, always obsessed with cornfields, obsessed with rivers, fishing, those kinds of things. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of, you know, it's very much the liquid that gets into the barrel the barrel.
0: So I'm going to get you in a little bit of trouble here. You were a bartender, and that's kind of- I am
1: a bartender, sir.
0: I know, I know. It's like I was doing Peloton today, (laughs) and somebody said, never say you're a former athlete. You're still an athlete.
1: I'm I'm a current athlete, too. You should see, I- um. I go to the park, shoot some hoops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I bartended too, so I I get it. Yep. What was your drink of choice before you got into bartending? What was it that you were drinking when you were just getting there, you were new? And then how did your taste move on? Was whiskey something that you had gravitated towards or yeah, were absolutely. you drinking gin or something like that too?
1: As a bartender, for sure, a little bit of everything. As a very new, eager bartender, I would go to this bar after my shifts, a place called McManus and Chelsea. And it's a it's a firefighter bar. Everyone's welcome kind of place. And it would be after my shifts. I'm a new guy. They don't know if I'm going to be a server or a bartender longer. You know, They don't know who I am. That could just be someone else who wants to bartend. And the bartenders, the, actually the family, the McManus family, would set out different whiskeys and just walk me through different whiskeys, different scotches, different Irish whiskeys, bourbons, ryes, and talk to me about them. And then I became obsessed. I was reading more books about it every day. I was um, becoming... A, very interested in whiskey culture because there's a whole world we live in. There's this whole world not everyone knows about that is this whiskey world.
0: Oh, 100%. And you go down the rabbit hole and you realize that mm-hmm. there are a million variables and you know everybody's like, how come the, the whiskey tastes the way it does? It's like, well, from the grain to the wood that's used mm-hmm. in the barrel to, but it's not the even yeast, just- the,
1: the air, the river where you're at.
0: And um, it's not even just the grain. I mean, you take one thing as simple as the grain. It's, yeah. well, how did you cook it? Like, did you cook it before? Did you cook it together with other grains? Did you, like, there's a whole thing. Every little piece could be nuanced even more. I mean, you get to staves. Is it tight staves? Is it open staves? Is it, there's so much about whiskey that is chance as much as it is skill. Cause you just put it in the barrel, you cross your fingers. You're like, I kind of know how this is going to turn out, but I'm so, I'm so with
1: you on that. There's, you know, of course we say, you know, 101. We have grains, we have water, we have yeast, and a lot of ways. I say we have grains, we have water, and then kind of we have magic because <laughs> yeast is in the air, right? But also, there can be more than just the yeast that goes into it. There's so many different ways whiskeys are being made right now, and we didn't—you didn't even mention the still that's used, right?
0: Oh, 100. percent
1: Every single aspect of it can can adjust it, and then you still you still have to be. I mean, we're lucky we have a master blender of 35 years at Row Co., because you're exactly right. There's so many different nuances that go into every single expression of whiskey we have.
0: And you are going where I want to go, but I want to take it one step back before we yeah. get there. Because I want to know, so you're at these bars. Yep. You're in New York City. What got you to move over to Row & Co.? How did they steal you? New York has so many good bars. Like, uh, I love going to the Flatiron. I love going to the Hamilton. There are places... I used to actually work on the corner of Lafayette and Houston.
1: I worked on Houston Avenue A for a long time. We were neighbors, my friend. Very
0: I still cool. lived in Nashville, so I, I just commuted up there a few times a month and then wow. had to go... As a bartender? Of, no. no okay. I IT.
1: Okay. All right. Still cool. Still
0: cool. <laughs> there are so many places that I loved going. I, I mean, I loved just walking around New York. What I would do is I would work in Soho, but I would stay at the Hilton in the fashion district. And there are so many places that I wish I wrote down the name of every single place I went to, but I would just walk. So I would just get right on Broadway, start walking up, go through the park, hit up Shake Shack every once in a while. But uh, there's
1: nothing wrong with that.
0: Basically just walk and find a place that I had never been to and just go try someplace new.
1: You know, the city is amazing like that because I remember times, you know, I came from Pennsylvania. So you think the city is so big. But then I remember my first couple of times walking from downtown all the way to you know, the Upper East Side even or, to, you know, to Harlem. And it's not that big. You can do that in 20, 30 minutes on a nice night. And it's a beautiful walk.
0: Oh, the walks are great. And just getting lost. I mean, it's really easy to find your way around there because, I mean, hell, all the streets are numbered. <laughs> I mean, it's a very... New York has a It is a grid.
1: I tell my mom that every time she visits. I don't know if she believes me still.
0: It's so easy. The only problem I had when I went to New York, though, is I have a Red Sox debit card. Every single place I would go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I actually had the reverse experience. For Rowan Co., I got the opportunity to go to Boston a few times. So I went there. Oh, crap. Nervous. Here's a New York guy going to Boston and it was completely opposite. I was so welcomed. Everyone I met was giving me directions and advice. It was just, I was I was so surprised at that. I think that that Yankees-Red Sox thing is very much a New York war. It, it didn't seem to be uh, as prevalent just walking around Boston.
0: You know what it was the second the Sox won?
1: Oh, timing. Yeah. I mean,
0: when I tell <laughs> you growing up, we would be at a Patriots game and a Yankee suck chant would start. We'd be at a concert and a Yankees suck chant would start.
1: I've sat out there for the Yankees games in the the bleachers. And that's some of the most, the Yankees Red Sox for the bleachers. Both sides know there's going to be a little bit of back and forth. And I think that there's a lot of enjoyment from both sides.
0: I went to a Red Sox Yankees game on Easter Sunday, and I have never seen more people kicked out of a game (laughs) in my whole entire life. Easter Sunday. Wow. Easter Sunday. It is a holy day and people were getting thrown out throwing beer on each other one person would get cuffed by the cops and then another person would slug him while the cops had him cuffed like and then that person's in cuffs going out so it was it was crazy but i do think that it's kind of died down since they won a couple times and that monkey's off their back the Boston. I mean, th- if you think about what's going on, I don't want to sound like a jerk right now, but you know, between the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins, like everybody's winning, so there's not much that Bostonians have to be mad um, about.
1: You, you broke up there. I couldn't really hear what you were saying. Being a Steelers fan, I couldn't really hear what was going on, but whatever it was, go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you think Ben's got one left in him? Ah, uh, I think.
1: Um, I think he's doing his best right now, and it's. Uh, it's hard. We had a good game yesterday. I don't, it is tough right now. You know, what is it 17 years.
0: You're at that point though, where yeah. you got to start thinking about the next person. Mm-hmm. I know It's not, everybody's going to be Tom Brady, right? Like not everybody.
1: you <laughs> probably, yeah, probably nobody else will ever be Tom Brady. I have to, I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady, but you start you know? thinking
0: about like, you have the guy on the bench and you're like, all right, Tom's about to be 40 maybe we got to put this guy in and he's like no 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 I'm not right re- I'm still good I still got some years left to meet no I think we should put that guy in all right well I'm leaving I'm gonna go win a Super Bowl with yeah, another team
1: yeah don't mind if I do I'll take Gronk with me I mean
0: yeah Ben's not going to any other team and winning I'm sorry
1: <laughs> Ben's doing all right in Pittsburgh I think he, I think he has a podcast he's uh every week I think he's he's getting ready to move on
0: you know the thing that always got me about Ben is he doesn't have a chin <laughs> it's just his neck. If you look at him. We didn't hire him for a chin. No, but if you look at him, he's just got a really fat neck.
1: Like He doesn't look athletic. I'll give you that. But, sir, pump your brakes. That's my quarterback.
0: Like, he looks like Peter Griffin. Like with <laughs> the <laughs>
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Here we are. We're in New York. You started working at a bar. And then you worked at more bars. And then oh, yeah. how do we go from bartending to Diageo and Rowan Co.?
1: so many steps, so many, you know, um, I think about that a lot because in a lot of ways, everything I was doing has kind of come together to have this opportunity. You know, I was bartending and then, uh, the pandemic hit and I was not bartending. I was thinking about going back to bartending because I always, that was, that was my plan. I'm going to keep bartending while I make everything work. Cause that's one of the best things about bartending. You can make everything work while you bartend. I went to an interview and the interview went very well and it went almost, almost too well. I, I, uh, I used to be, when I was first a bartender, I was nervous in those interviews. I was, you know, do I remember this cocktail spec? How am I going to handle this interview? How do I show that I'm going to be able to manage this bar? And that was who I used to be. And I kind of outgrew that a lot. And at least for this bar in particular that I had interviewed at, I kind of left feeling like, okay, so I succeeded. I succeeded in this interview, but I didn't feel like I was going to be challenged or scared in the job. So that's when I... I went on online and I thought maybe it is time to pursue a whiskey opportunity because I I love whiskey. I'm so attached to it. It's a major part of my life. And it's been a major part of who I am and the best parts of my life, if that makes sense. Some of the best friends I've ever made through whiskey, the best experiences I've ever had. You know, music comes from whiskey for me. It's it's been it's been amazing. I applied for a job online, but I didn't think anything of it. And I didn't actually know the whiskey at this point. So I clicked on it, like, yeah, I'll see about this whiskey. And then they gave me an interview. So, I of course ran out right away and I grabbed the whiskey. And that changed how that interview went because I, okay, so now this is a whiskey that I actually can stand behind. At first, I was hesitant. You know, I've always been a bourbon rye guy. And I think that's one of the first things that actually drew me towards Rowan Co. was those aspects of bourbon that are actually in the way Rowan & Co. is made. I was absolutely taken aback. I didn't expect to love this new whiskey that I hadn't tried yet. And then um, I started interviewing. And every interview, interview after interview, I kept on connecting with the team. And that's what took it to the next level where I the whole brand is based on collaboration. And even at a level where we're we're here in the States, the people that I was going to get a chance to work with if I got this job are amazing people. That was a big change for me because I I love the idea of moving on in a place where you can grow and be challenged, but also work with people you want to work with and be challenged by and grow with. And that excitement around Rowan Co. and around Whiskey and the stories within is what drew me to apply and to pursue. And by no means was that you know, a shoe in. It still was, you know, three months of interviews and and wondering what's going to happen.
0: I mean, they make you run through the gamut to be a brand ambassador, don't they? It's not just like, oh, yeah, you know... We have an interview, like I've had interviews where I had to interview 10 people in one day. It was like a gauntlet, but they really want to make sure because you are the face of the brand to a whole lot of people. Like, was there an obstacle course? Did you have to like, almost like amazing race it? Like you have an event on this side of town at four and then you have another event at this side (laughs) of town at eight and show me how you can get across the city to hit both of those events. Like, what did they put you through?
1: It was kind of like that, only it was... One week, and then you wait, and then next week. So it was a lot about letting them know about who I am and my experience and my passion for whiskey, and then how I see Rowan Co. and what Rowan Co. is to me, and how I tell the story. And also a lot about um, I think all things kind of merge together for me. I am an actor, I'm a musician, and they love those things because those things are also part of collaborative creative work. And those things also kind of tie into Rowan Co and our whole brand story of working together and making, you know, making whiskey, but also, you know, making cocktails, making whiskey, but also building up people. And that's kind of amazing that Rowan Co. does that because it's more about we at this brand. Whereas a lot of brands have become about, you know, one particular story or or one particular person, which is amazing. What's amazing about Row Co is that there's so many people. We have a team that's doing this currently. That team was open to having another member, and that was pretty beautiful to walk on. You know, you're trying out for a basketball team; and they all they actually want you to be be good. They want you to be an asset to their team, and that's that's really nice.
0: So, in your interview, you were like, "I used to think of myself as a one man wolf pack." And then I met Rowan Co. and I was like, wait, could this be?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I was a one-man wolf pack. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then uh yeah, I don't I'm trying to think of a hangover reference, but we, we have to cut it if I think of one, so never mind.
0: But it is a good segue. I mean, you mentioned this a couple times and they liked the way that you told their story. So I, I think that's perfect. Tell me the Rowan Co. story. A lot of people might not know who they are. I mean, a lot of people were bourbon drinkers. Mm-hmm. I like to think that Irish whiskey is the great unifier between scotch drinkers and bourbon drinkers it's not peaty like scotch it's not as sweet you know there's still some of that barley in the in the middle there in in irish whiskey so it's that in betweener that is a lot easier to take than scotch for some people. You're not going to get that acetone. You're going to get a lot more fruit. It's going to uh, be a little bit lighter. I love Irish whiskey personally, but I think you mentioned it a couple times. I already said that. I want to hear what you told them the story of Rowan Co is and and what you learned. It was
1: the story of Rowan Co is amazing because it's it's currently evolving. So we are inspired by a man named George Rowe who was one of the actual pioneers of Irish whiskey and whiskey in the entire world. So in the heart of Dublin, he has a distillery. His grandfather, Peter Rowe, actually started that uh, in the 1700s, but come closer to the late 19th century, early 20th century, that distillery is actually the largest distillery in the world. As a bartender, I didn't know that. But in the heart of Dublin, George Rowe had a 17-acre distillery that dwarfed all other distilleries and exported 2 million gallons of whiskey a year. So we were talking earlier about, about those Gaelic terms. A lot of people will argue, and I'm one of them, that whiskey was first called whiskey in Ireland. So there's there's a golden triangle of whiskey right in the heart of Dublin. George Rose at the top of that. Come the turn of the 20th century, we have trade embargoes. We have the Irish rebellion. We have the rise of the column still in Scotland. And then, of course, Prohibition in America, which finally kind of nails the coffin for Irish whiskey as a category overall, the Irish whiskey makers, they, they held strong on always making whiskey in Ireland with pot stills, copper pot stills. Whereas across there in Scotland, they started using column stills, which can make whiskey faster, but it doesn't have the same characteristics of copper. I think we'll talk about copper later, but copper is so crucial in whiskey making in terms of the, the scientific processes that it can lend to whiskey. George Rose Distillery closes 1926, and then Ireland itself is without distilleries for the most part for about 100 years. There's about two or three in 2016 whenever Caroline Martin, our master blender, she's a 35-year master blender. She, in addition to being a whiskey blender, is obsessed with alchemy and perfumes and what fragrances and essences can actually do for you before you even hit the glass. So she collaborates with bartenders, Five bartenders, Irish bartenders, to find out what is actually working and what bartenders want and need. And then also, I think that goes back to that no longer a one-man wolf pack. Now we are a full team and we're going to do this together because the greatest thing we're trying to make is a whiskey that is a premium sipper and is also a premium cocktail whiskey. And then the third thing, it's an Irish whiskey. So that's th- those things make it difficult. So they make 120 blends and they're back and forth, back and forth. The Irish bartenders, they charged Caroline to make the whiskey stronger than traditional Irish whiskey. So tr- Irish whiskey is traditionally 40% ABV. Rowanco was actually 45 for a number of reasons. First off, that extra proof is going to stand up in the glass. It's going to slow you down when you sip it. It's going to pull more flavors from the barrel. They also added non-shell filtration into the mix, which is actually one of my favorite things about this blend, the Rowanco 106, because on a chemical level, whenever you use non-shell filtration, you actually leave extra proteins in the whiskey that in the old days were actually filtered out for good reason, for good cause. But now with the innovative processes of today, whiskey can still be smooth with having those extra flavors. And so when you drop a a dash of water into Rowan Co, or if you're gonna put it in a cocktail and shake it or stir it, the water is gonna actually activate. The whiskey itself will have small explosions and those will actually be flavor explosions. And you're gonna have either a frothier cocktail as though there was egg white or aquafaba. You're gonna have more robust flavors coming out of the barrel. For a final note, so it's ex bourbon barrel, ex bourbon barrel aged. And that's excellent. And that's one of the reasons I first tasted this whiskey. I said, wow, I, I love this. Wait a second. This is Irish whiskey. I'm surprised. In a lot of ways, Rowan Co. is, if you, if you were to make a compass with Irish whiskey being true north, bourbon being true west, Rowan Co. is kind of right in the middle there, shooting off into a new trajectory of where and what whiskey can do.
0: You're right. It is kind of that in between. I mean, especially with its ex bourbon barrel, like you said, it's the 90 proof. It's that to me, when I got this I really didn't know a lot about Row & Co. when y'all first reached out. And it was something that I wanted to learn more about, like I do with everything. Love the fact that it is very female-led. You have Caroline in there blending. You have Laura, who is the head distiller.
1: Laura Hemi, our head distiller. She's amazing. She runs the distillery. She also is an alchemist, also is a record collector. She's like a total artist in addition to being... A distiller and all of that kind of blends into what she does. She's constantly creating, constantly innovating. She um, when they were actually building the distillery, she found a what looked like an aging flower pot, but was actually a Tanqueray still head. And she brought that stillhead, I guess renovated that still head and put it on one of our stills. So we have three copper stills, but the middle one actually used to have a top from an old Tanqueray still, which adds extra creamy notes. My example with that is just that even from the choices of the stills that Laura Hemi picked, even from the grains that were picked locally, every single aspect of Rowan Co., which we'll talk about the bottle here in a second, is carefully chosen.
0: What I like is uh, even the merch is pushing the boundaries a little bit. Like there's a wallet that has a little place for a guitar, guitar pick. Guitar
1: pick. Yes, there is.
0: And as a guitarist, yep. like I need that wallet absolutely really bad. We got
1: to get you one, John.
0: And and even the fact that there is a, a sweet cast strength, there is mm-hmm. a a cast strength that has alligator char in there. Um, it's thirteen year old single grain with alligator mm-hmm. char. The proof on it, uh, or oh, I see the ABV is fifty eight point six. So I mean, it's a pretty high proof Irish whiskey. I love that it's kind of taking stuff that you know you wouldn't always expect with irish whiskey yes there are some cast strengths irish whiskeys mm-hmm. and yes there are some that that go up and proof a little bit but i mean everything from the aesthetic to the bottle which pays homage to you know i don't want to steal your thunder but there's so many hidden details in the bottle from the pear tree to the seal Absolutely. to yeah. you know paying tribute to history that was there before but there's a lot of new stuff in that bottle and it the collaboration. I mean, I think you're seeing more whiskey brands now go the collaborative route rather than just kind of doing it all on their own. And I almost feel like craft beer is starting to wear off onto to whiskey. And they're realizing that there's a lot of cool crap we all can do together. It's
1: great you pointed that out. I mean, collaboration is 100% at the root of what Row Co does. Even during the major lockdown, Row Co, the distillery, was teaming up with local restaurants in collaborating. So those restaurants could have a place to house their food. But then also there were collaborative drinks made that paired perfectly with those food items. And I think that's a great example. I mean, I don't know that that's what will happen or won't happen. Of course, collaboration is the root of everything we've done here. I'd love that that's happening overall, because there's so many great whiskeys. And that's why Rowan Co. makes whiskey, because we're making a great whiskey because we love whiskey.
0: Now tell me what goes into this. Like, what can you tell me about the whiskey itself? We know it's 90 proof. You've talked about that. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> what is the, the mash bill? for bourbon drinkers that don't really, I mean, I know it's a blend, so there's multiple things in there, but what's the gist of what makes Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey opposed to what the bourbon drinker would know as whiskey where it's really, you know, corn rye barley or corn wheat barley, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, or four grain, five hell, I've seen a seven or eight grain right now, but what makes Irish whiskey a little bit different?
1: So, yeah, so Rowan Co., this is blend 106 out of 120. It's a blend of single grain and premium malted barley. So, that malted barley is, is very famously Irish. That's going to be Irish barley. That's going to have Irish water. Of course, the copper stills, we talk about them a lot. I mention that a lot because copper, it'll take out a sulfuric flavor, but it'll also smooth the whiskey and add clarification and an essence that it's hard to explain in terms of how whiskey is made. So copper is a is a magic element that comes with whiskey for me because it's a it's a magic metal. It's very crucially Irish. Three pot stills, three Irish copper pot stills. Of course the Irish climate is gonna have an effect. So you could have the same mash bill in America, of course, which you won't <laughs> usually, that mash bill is going to be affected by the time in the barrel. That's it's gonna be affected by the blend and the the climate that makes sense. It's a gentler climate. So the way it pulls from the barrel is going to be a, a gentler result.
0: As far as your batches go and knowing that there are blends and things put together, it is the age of the batches, is that usually the same or is it just like batch 106 could be completely different than batch 120? Wouldn't
1: it wouldn't be completely different, but the, what they're going for is the consistent product rather than an age statement. So they will be putting out age statement products in the future. At the distillery, we have incredible aged whiskeys. We have a 13-year, as you mentioned, that cask strength. And there's many more that they're working on, everything from... Japanese woods to IPA casks, constant innovation, constant collaboration, and discovery for what's new. With Roenco 106, the result is a whiskey that's a premium sipper and a premium cocktail whiskey that you're not afraid to make cocktails with at the same time. You know, a lot of times you're going to spend tons of money on a whiskey and you're going to be afraid to use it. Roenco, we want you to use it. We want you to collaborate and try and innovate and try new things. So we're not going to put an age statement on this bottle. Rather, because we care more about what's inside of it. We don't want to have misconceptions about this liquid because the liquid itself tells the story.
0: Now, what's your favorite cocktails that you make with Row Co.?
1: Geez, that changes up seasonally. You know, it changes up with the weather. All right. So, so um, it's the holiday yeah.
0: season. What are yes. you making right now?
1: So um, I had some friends over this past weekend and we made some incredible cocktails. So our distillery is actually right across from the Guinness Brewery. We renovated the Guinness Powerhouse and actually built a state of the art distillery there on the same grounds where George Rowe was. So sometimes I think about using Guinness in a cocktail, which is wasn't easy at first. So this weekend, I made some really cool cocktails. It was simply pineapple, coconut. This coconut works so well with those orchard notes of Irish whiskeys, and of course our orchard pear and Rowan Co. So some Demerara, and then of course Rowan Co. Hard shake, and then top it off with Guinness. It's surprising because it's really hard to make uh, beer cocktails, and I think Rowan Co. is excellent because it it complements those notes, those seasonal notes that we have right now. Of course, old fashions are my that's the way I test a whiskey. You know, I, a whiskey better be able to make a great old-fashioned if, if it's a cocktail whiskey. I like to riff with different bitters. Right now, I've been messing around with black walnut bitters a lot in the smoker with some hickory smoke, and I'm a fan of smoked cocktails. The phenols absolutely connect and attach flavor to the to the whiskey itself, and so that was a, was a, that was a nice cocktail we made. Of course, anything smoked is always fun to make with your friends. I also love a simple sour, you know, a Gold Rush cocktail or even a sour with an egg white. Because that non-chill filtration is going to activate even harder and you're going to have a froth that stays. One of my favorite cocktails to make for guests is always a sour cocktail just because of how it, how it, how the texture and how it stands up in the glass. I love the Sazerac cocktail with Rowling Co. because of the, there's gentle cinnamon. There's some anise within the whiskey that we pull from the barrel. And then if you put that in a Sazerac, instantly the Sazerac is elevated almost in the way like as if the Sazerac was always waiting for Rowan Co.
0: So there's a lot you can play with. And the fact I think that it has a little bit higher proof than a uh, typical Irish whiskey, it opens the door for more cocktails to be there. Because sometimes I, I just feel like with some Irish whiskey, that 80 proof, it gets lost in the shuffle. And you don't Absolutely. get enough of the flavor. What I like about this whiskey is, I think there's a lot of fruit in that fruit, and I'm not just saying that because there's the pear on on the tree on there. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit of pear, I get a little apple, but the nose, it's almost like a toasted wood. It's not a regular like oak, deep oak. I mean, if anything, it would be like freshly cut oak. I find it interesting because it's um it's a used barrel. It's not a brand new barrel. It's like it was freshly cut. It's like it's toasted a little bit. It doesn't smell like it was an old guy.
1: <laughs> I see what you mean. I we call that I feel like that's the orchard notes from the end of the season. That's kind of how I try to describe that. You know, it's I don't I don't feel like a lot of Irish whiskeys are famous for those orchard notes. Those those apples But when you mix the copper stills with non-chill filtration and the yeast process, we come out with that gentle pear note. Of course, it's built into the brand, but it also is built into the glass.
0: It is full of flavor. I'm not saying that because you're on here. I'm just saying it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anybody knows that if we don't like something, you can read between the lines and figure out that we don't like it. I am a big fan of this one. i like irish whiskey a lot more than zeke does and i drink other whiskeys other than bourbon and rye more than zeke does i mean let's be honest i drink bourbon and rye a lot more but i do like to have some other stuff in my cabinet and i like to change it up every once in a while i think that's something that helps develop your palate more if you're not just drinking the same thing every day i think you need to go to other spirits just besides whiskey you need to be having some rum and you need to be having some gin and amaro like just try everything except for vodka But, (laughs) you know, all that other stuff is going to help your palate and is going to make you under. I mean, nosing gin for me has done wonders for my whole tasting experience and getting those botanicals in there. I just think there's so much going on and i don't always get that in an irish whiskey i get it in the the higher end ones but the lower end irish whiskeys i feel like they were always just a shot drink you know you would have the beer right, and right. you'd have the irish yeah. whiskey chaser and yeah, there's a
1: time and place of course we yeah we're so different from those and that's what's so nice we sip with those premium whiskeys alongside them but we hope you're not afraid to make a cocktail with our whiskey because it's made for making cocktails in a lot of ways it's that premium whiskey that you can also make a cocktail with. You're not going to stress out about it. I understand the feeling of a $200 bottle you don't want to you don't want to mix in a cocktail. It's almost blasphemy. We hope you try Rowan Co. and we hope you mix it. We hope you experiment and try new things.
0: We got to be careful about price, but what's the ballparkish
1: we're in that sub 50 category. We are, you know, premium sipper that you can also afford to mix. And that's what's so magic about one of the most magical things about Rowan Co that we're not at a price point that you don't want to put it into a cocktail. You know, whether you're at home or you're at the bar. We want it to be a, a bartender's whiskey. It's made by bartenders and I mean, check out this bottle here. The handle right on top, that's a that's a bartender's hold. When I look at a bottle of whiskey right away, I want to know if it's going to be efficient for me behind the bar. Am I gonna be able to pick this up quickly, pour it neat, flip it over, put it into a cocktail? Rowan Co. has a handle. We built into the handle here, this hogshead style design.
0: Yeah, it's that nub.
1: Check out the bottle though. It's the most giftable bottle. You look at it, you want to ask about it. You open it up in a box, you want to say, Hey, what is that and why and how? And luckily, that's all built into the to the bottle. The story is there. When you finish your bottles, you want to keep them on the shelf. Of course, I kept my first bottle for nostalgic personal reasons, and I hope you do too, though. It's it's such a beautiful bottle. We start at the top. We have this oak-inspired cork. You mentioned those notes of oak in the whiskey. 100% that inspires our whiskey. We come down here. We have the Hogshead designed handle, which is the x bourbon Barrels Rebuilt As barrels in Ireland, they're a little larger than ex bourbon barrels because they can hold a little more whiskey. You come down the bottle here, the bottle's actually slightly slanted here. It's hard to notice, but that's a cool example for me of paying attention to every detail. So the bottle is slightly slanted, and that is in homage to St. Patrick's Tower, which Peter Rowe, George Rowe's grandfather, actually built on the distillery property. Still stands to this day, still is a beacon in the heart of Dublin. Our label is uh, this oxidized copper color because St. Patrick's Tower actually oxidized over time and became this verdigris green color, so we've embraced that. Further down, you might notice that the label is actually off to the right here a little bit. And that's completely on purpose. That is to represent Irish culture doing things their own way and in a lot of ways not worrying about what's going ar- on around them. Yes, it's a beautiful hold, it's a beautiful shelf piece, but if you want to know the insider secret Drum roll, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Pear bunt on the bottom. John, did you know that?
0: I did because I had looked oh, it up. Oh, you did. Oh, I do my research before uh, I, I have you on. I just want to. I mean, I am a sucker for that old timey. The company name mm-hmm. etched into the glass, Absolutely. and and it's the raised etching. Yep, I'm a sucker for that. Like that, the way that they used to label things back in the day. I don't think enough brands do that in the States and they're an indie, but, um, Chattanooga is the only other brand that I know that actually puts a lot of lettering actually raised out of their, their bottle. Uh, so I love that. And when I see that, it kind of takes it back. Like you see those old time pre prohibition bottles, prohibition yep. bottles, and they have raised glass on there. And I'm just like, I'm in the fact, you know, one thing I did want to talk, I mean, And going back to this bottle, it's a beautiful bottle. I think anybody that puts that amount of detail and, and Zeke, my partner gets on me for worrying about the marketing and worrying about all that stuff. But I I think of it this way, if you're going to put that amount of time into your bottle, it shows a you care and then how much time are you actually going to spend on the whiskey like Mm -hmm. if that's what you put on the bottle in my mind i'm thinking you're doing all this other stuff with the whiskey that i just have to trust you at some point because you wouldn't be spending that much time on the bottle if what was in there sucked i think that's a, a big thing for me the other thing i would say is not harping on price and going back to it um we talk about it on this show all the time i think there is this emerging category in whiskey you would always talk about these sub 30 bottles and then the ultra premium bottles that are over 100 bucks i think there is a 30 to 50 dollar whiskey category that really is emerging from somebody that drinks a lot of different whiskey right now there are a lot of 30 to 50 dollars pours coming out that are worth your time and worth your attention. And I think um, it's that kind of category. What I like about those whiskeys is you want to have it neat, have it neat. If you want to go ahead and put it in a cocktail, put it in a cocktail. But you're not going to cry if you put one of those bottles in a cocktail and you're not going to cry if you have it neat. Like you're just going to enjoy it. And it's that place. There's
1: no buyer's guilt there. Is that what you're talking about? No buyer's buyer's guilt. guilt. Like, oh, I love this whiskey, but I don't know if I should have it now or later. We say have it now and later.
0: If you want to go have another one, you can go get another bottle and and you're not sitting there crying going like, oh man, this is limited edition. I have to ration out how much I have of it. You know, this is something where it's like, you know, hey, you enjoy it? You enjoy it? You can enjoy it however the hell you want to enjoy it, which I would want you to do with any whiskey you buy, whether or not it's super premium limited edition or whether or not it's a, you know, a $10 bottled in bond that you can get someplace and anything that you like, enjoy what you like. But this is a very solid pour. I enjoyed it. What else... Uh, should we look for? We have the cast strength stuff coming out. Anything else that we should be looking for with Rowan Co? Anything we should be looking for with you? Are you going to be traveling the country talking about Rowan Co and people? I am, yeah. So, for
1: yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm the national ambassador, so that means I get to travel the nation, and that has been amazing. I've got to go to places already I've never been before, you know, in California. We were everywhere from San Diego to San Francisco. It was beautiful. And we get to meet so many great people and try new ways of using Rowan Co. The most exciting thing for me is that the people being introduced to Rowan for the first time. It's so exciting. So, you've had Rowan Co now, but anyone you give Rowan Co to, it might be their first time ever having it. So, in a lot of ways, you're helping the story as it progresses and as it builds right now. Rowan Co is being made and evolving as we speak in Ireland. So many of our great whiskeys, so many of our favorite stories are so old, right? We're inspired by an old story. There's so many great whiskeys. The magic thing about Rowan is how new it is, how presently it is evolving, how In Ireland right now, they're making whiskeys. They're evolving. They're innovating, trying new things that down the road will hopefully come here, right? If those are the ones that our head distiller, Laura Hemi, says, hey, this is ready. And that's, of course, that's up to to them. Row & Co. is being made now. And hopefully, we get to all tell this story together. So, John, whenever you meet someone, now they might, you know, maybe you can tell someone about Row & Co. I I hope you do. And that's part of this story expanding. And then hopefully down the road, this new whiskey story is now It's an old
0: story, like the rest. So I know we are recording this on Tuesday, and we're fine pulling back the curtain. And this is going to be coming out on Thanksgiving. I will tell you that with the family on Thanksgiving, everybody kind of looks at me because they know I have the podcast for whiskey. So I'm not just bringing one whiskey. You know, I always end up bringing six whiskeys, putting them on the table, and saying, y'all try whatever you want. This is going to be one of the whiskeys that I, I bring. That. I love on. that. Here's the thing, and I'm going to tie this all back together because that's what I do. And then I'm going to wrap it up because we've been talking for an hour and it's late for you. And I know you got to go to bed. Uh, Fine. Happy to talk. What I would say though, is that, you know, the spirit of this bottle and everything you talk about is collaboration, community, uh, bringing people together. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays to bring people together. I I feel like it doesn't have the commercialization of Christmas, and I'm not going to go on a big rant there. Um, (laughs) And it has food. And as a fat kid, I love food. I love family. I love community. That's why Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays of all time. There is nothing better in that same spirit to bring people together than whiskey. I mean, just for the story alone and what you talked about, I mean, it tugs on my heartstrings. I know people could be like, oh yeah, you're saying that because he's on. Thanksgiving was always kind of special to me. And one of the things that uh, I think, especially as a football player that then went right into wrestling and wrestling started the Monday after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was always the last meal I could have before I didn't eat for four months maybe five months depending on how far we got in the playoffs and uh, tournaments so Uh, it was one of those things for me thanksgiving was always you know has a special place in my heart so i am going to be very proud to bring this bottle and have people drink it and then i can go get another one so uh, i appreciate y'all sending a bottle i appreciate the time that you took to talk about it. And uh, I think we need to have you on again sometime in the future when y'all are doing new stuff, you're talking about what else is going on. I would love to have you back and you have some friends in Nashville now. So whenever you come through, hit us up, we'll get a drink together. Amazing. Your babysitter that's on here that not everybody <laughs> knows about, but she lives in Knoxville so she can come hang out too. It'll be a good time. We'll all drink some Rowan and co and, and get to know each other.
1: Row and co country songs. I like that.
0: I'm down. Thank you so much Josh. What else do you want the people to know before we wrap this up here tonight? Oh,
1: I just I want you to know I want you to know happy Thanksgiving from Rowan Co, from our community, from our distillery. Thank you for trying Rowan Co. Please enjoy it responsibly and make some cocktails and tell us about them. Follow me on Whiskey with Josh. You can follow the distillery at Rowan Co Whiskey. We love to collaborate and hear what you're doing with our whiskey. So Thank you, guys, and
0: cheers. Cheers. You can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinker Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drink Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcast. You already have because you're listening to us now. So what <laughs> we need you to do is leave us an open and honest review just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. You can also find us here in Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers, and happy Thanksgiving, y'all.
1: Thanks, John.